Welcome to Changing Academic Life. I'm Geraldine Fitzpatrick, and this is a podcast series where academics and others share their stories, provide ideas, and provoke discussions about what we can do individually and collectively to change academic life for the better. So I'm really delighted to be able to bring this podcast to you with Kylie Ball. She's a professor in the School of Exercise and Nutrition Science in the Faculty of Health at Deakin University in Australia. She's also head of early and mid-career research and development in her institute. And you may know her because she publishes this really great blog called The Happy Academic. So we have a really interesting discussion where she walks us through a lot of the initiatives that she's put in place to support um, researchers in her institute, including things like workshops and mentoring programs and virtual resources. And she talks about her blog as well and how she sees that as a form of virtual mentorship uh, that can have a much wider reach. We explore some of her own strategies as well for how she maintains her own physical and mental health and well-being. And we talk about how to form good habits I think there are some interesting things that cut across lots of the discussion because there's lots of different pointers to ways that we can actually take control and make choices. And throughout, we also get, a think, a really good sense of how to create a kinder and more supportive culture within our faculties just by listening to how Kylie talks about her own role and her relationship with her colleagues and, and her own contributions in that regard. Uh, Kylie, thanks for taking the time to chat with me today. It's my pleasure, Jerry. And, and it's uh, great to talk to you too because I really wanted to talk to you about this uh, great blog that you have targeted to early career researchers. But before we get on to that, it would be interesting to hear a little bit about your background. Sure. Um, so I have been an academic and a researcher now for... Uh, 20 years, close on 20 years, um, and it's not where I imagined myself to be. Um, I guess when I was at school, in fact, I didn't even realise that the role I'm in now existed. You know, I didn't know that that was a, a career. What, so, in the in the topic area or more in that ac- academic sense? Really generally. the academic yeah. sense. So I knew there were people who taught at universities, yeah. but yeah. certainly the research side of things yeah. I didn't have a good understanding of. And in fact... When I uh, went to university, I studied psychology. That was my undergraduate training. And at the end of my um, uh, undergraduate degree, you know, I really imagined that I was going to go on and be um, a a clinical psychologist. So, you know, working with um, people, you know, helping them sort of deal with their their problems and issues. And, um, you know, it sounds trite, but I guess my my career plans had always been, you know, I wanted to help people basically. Mm, Um, But when, when I was at university, you know, I found um, I was a bit of a nerd and I, I actually really, unlike most people, I really loved doing assignments and mm-hmm. I found that being given a, a question to go away and, yeah. you know, find out about and gather information and collate it and, um, you know, write it into a coherent argument, you know, I just loved, I loved that kind of thing. And so when I found that there were actually careers that kind of, you know, yeah. that's what people did, yeah. you know, research careers. You could you know, do stuff that yes, you love and get paid exactly. for it. Exactly. <laughs> I was really, really hooked. And so I thought, oh, well, maybe I'll put off my, you know, clinical training for a little while and just indulge this sort of passion for research for a little bit longer. And so I enrolled in a, a PhD and 20 years on, I am still here. Still here. <laughs> but I guess um, what I have found over the years is I haven't lost that um 
drive to want to work with people and help people. Yeah. And as much as I love the research, I guess, you know, in recent years, I really kind of missed um, having more sort of direct impact in, in helping people, I suppose. And so that's partly where the the blog idea came right. from. Right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yes. Yeah. So the, the research area that you're in is, you know, well, your, your faculty is exercise and nutrition nutrition That's so i haven't didn't have my glasses on again <laughs> um so is is that particularly your area or do you, is there a particular angle in that that you're taking yes yep so i um uh, i guess i went into that area because i'm interested in um problems that affect a, a large proportion of the population i guess yeah. so um knowing that we have you know huge proportions of people um, struggling to eat healthily or to be physically active enough for, for health benefits um or to maintain a healthy mm. weight you know i yeah. think i could see lots of challenges there and, yeah. and that interested me um you know trying to engage in research i guess that could um build our evidence base about how best to support people yeah. to to do those yeah. things and so yep over the years i've done um you know a number of studies looking at you know how can we effectively support people to improve their health behaviours mm, and, and um, yeah. be more healthy and particularly focusing on people that um, might be more vulnerable, um, like socioeconomically disadvantaged yeah. groups, um, people that have low incomes or low education levels who we know often um, have even more struggles with, with these kinds of mm. things. So, yeah, so that's really what my research is focused on for yeah, a long time now. So I find that interesting that you still are feeling, because that sounds really applied and really impactful research, Research, yes, yeah. but it was still not feeling enough. Yeah, and look, I guess um, over the years, I've probably felt that our ability to um, translate that that research and have um, have broad impact mm. is is perhaps a bit limited. And so, you know, we we try really hard to ensure that the work we're doing is policy relevant and, and applicable and that we're talking with um, people in the community stakeholders about how mm. to translate that research to, to yeah. get outcomes. But I guess it's it's a pretty long time um, coming. So, mm. you know... What, the, from the having found the research results to getting it, making yeah, a difference yeah. in a local yes. community or... In, yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So by the time, you know, from conceiving the original ideas, yeah. seeking funding for it, undertaking the research, mm. and then, you know, that can be a eight, ten year longer yeah. Um, yeah. process sometimes. If you even end up having any impact. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So yeah. What, what would it look like if it worked, do you think? Yeah, so we've had some good examples of where it's worked. Um, so I guess it's, it's looked like um, having a good relationship with, um, organisations that, that are in the community. Mm. Um, so some of the organisations we work closely with, for example, are the, the Heart Foundation, who, who do a lot of work around, obviously, um, physical activity and healthy eating mm. as part of um, prevention of heart disease. Yep. So, um, look, we've had some great, you know, examples, case studies there of where we've worked closely with the foundation, um, for instance, to um, help um, leverage a, a case for a, um, a nationwide walking program, which is highly successful. Um, seen that get up and then helped in the evaluation of that program and, and published that. So that's, oh, that's probably, great. yes, more yeah. than maybe 10 years involvement, I guess, yeah. with the Heart Foundation to, yeah. to get to that point. So so they certainly are examples. But was that a lot of relationship building with them first to establish credibility yes. or was it just coming with the idea and then buying into the idea and that's was the foundation? No, it's for certainly it. the relationship building. Right. So I think it's been um, working with them on a number of um, different aspects of, of work over yeah. a long period of time yeah. um, that that then there was a good trust there to yeah. Yeah, to get that going. 
That's interesting, that long time frame, isn't it? Because you can love research and love solving problems, but if you care about solving problems that are real problems that you want to make a difference in, yes, yeah, that's a, a oh, long gap. Yeah, you need incredible mm. patience, mm. I think, yeah. and, um, you know, I feel fortunate that I have been in the role a long enough time yeah. to have been able to see some of those outcomes, yeah. but, you know, increasingly that's not the case for everyone and, and a lot of our um, newer people coming in on short-term contracts or they don't have that sort of security. And so I guess I was seeing a whole lot of different problems internally that I felt, you know, maybe I was also in a position to do something about and, and yeah. help. Yeah. So because that's a that's a, um, a privileged, privileged problem to have, isn't it? See, having waiting 10 years to see impact when people don't have jobs. Absolutely. You know, don't know Absolutely. what the horizon is at the end of two years or yep. one year. Yep. That's, Some of the people that's, I was talking to yesterday. Yep, that's mm. that's exactly right. And, yeah. you know, I have a lot of empathy for those people yeah. because I guess the, the, the sector is very different from, from when I started. I mean, admittedly, yeah. I... I um, started in a, a one-year contract position too, yeah. so I made a move interstate um, on the basis of just a, a one-year position, but at that stage... That was stage, a big move to it, make then, just for one year. It was, yeah, it was, um, and, and almost immediately, of course, I started thinking about yeah. what do I do when the yeah, contract's happened. Yes, yeah, yeah, but fortunately for me, a, a um, continuing position did arise in that time, and I applied at for that. At that same institution? Yes. Okay, yeah. so yeah. you weren't having to move different states again no, at the end of a no, year. No, that's right. Yeah, but um, you know that's now not the case for everyone. There's, there's mm. not that security, mm. and so um, I work with and mentor lots of people coming through who you know are very concerned about mm. the, the future. And mm. um, I guess I was hearing a lot of these concerns, hearing a lot of the same kinds of problems yeah. being raised, yeah. and um, really felt like um, you know I could I could perhaps do something about yeah. it. Yeah, because you're an associate head of school here. And with a particular concern for research. Yes. So is it through that role that you've seen that? Uh, through a different role. So I actually had two, two roles. So um, one of the roles I took on about 18 months ago was as the head of early and mid-career research and development mm. in, in our institute. And how do you define that here? Yeah, interesting. So when I first took that role on, I thought about a, a definition mm. and I guess... I was keen not to exclude anyone who might consider themselves in, in that category. Mm. And so we roughly defined it as um, academic level A to C, which in, in Australia, you know, that, that really covers your entry level people mm. who may be coming in even prior to finishing their mm. PhD. So um, A is more like a tutor? or It's an like an associate, associate. yes, yes, yeah. exactly. Yep. Um, level B is the kind of lecturer, lecturer level, yeah. and then level C is senior lecturer. Mm. So some of those people mm. may be beyond that kind of mid-career mid stage, but um, I was keen to be inclusive rather yeah. than... Yeah. Um, so yes, I, I um, put my hand up to take on that, that role as head of early mid-career research and development, and the first thing I did was to... I, I decided that I actually needed to really understand what the challenges were um, that people were facing. And so I spoke individually with all of the early and mid-career researchers in our institute, which um, I hadn't realised when I set out to do that how many of them there were. <laughs> so and how many were there? were 54 oh, my um, goodness. early and mid-career <laughs> researchers. And only so about... Six years later. <laughs> yes, that's right. It took, took a good couple of months to <laughs> meet with them all. Um, and only about 15 or 16 more senior people. So mm. we were quite a 
sort of bottom to mid heavy mm. <laughs> institute at that time. Um, but, you know, it was one of the best things I could have done because mm. I re- so, some of the people I didn't even really know and, and some of them I'd never spoken with one-on-one. Yeah. So and Had you seen them all around? Yeah, so I knew yeah. faces and I yeah. knew names. But, um, are you many, all in the same building? Yeah. Um, or, or? No, in fact, we're, so most of us are in this building, but mm. some of us, we have a, um, a, a two campuses where, yeah, okay. where our staff are based. So some are based here in Melbourne, others are based in, in Geelong, sort of an hour yeah. down down the road. So, so I find that um, a, an increasingly common theme as well, where <laughs> it's departments used to, I don't know whether it's just sort of my idealised memory now, but departments used to largely be in the same building. So yes, you could at least yes. see people walking up and down stairs or in the lift or at the tea room or at the yeah. mailboxes. Yeah. But increasingly with these split campuses and yeah. you know, often departments getting too big and in different buildings, yeah. it really impacts just yeah. who you get to see or who you get to think yeah. of as being part of your local yeah, community. Yeah, it, it really does. And, uh, you know, geographical um, proximity, I think, is yeah. key. You know, it's those conversations you have yeah. when you bump into people in the hallway exactly. or the tea room. And yeah. I guess we, we've been fortunate that we're pretty well set up um, between the campuses to um, have virtual meetings. And so that's really become mm-hmm. part of the culture that mm-hmm. we, um, if we have a meeting or a workshop, it'll it'll be a, a VMP. So the virtual meeting point will book as well and people at both campuses mm-hmm. can, can dial in and, and feel that they're there. But yeah, it's tricky. You, you yeah. do need to work it over coming yeah. those sort of geographic barriers. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I met with all of those people, had a, had a chat with them about what their needs were um, and really got a good sense of, you know, the same kinds of things coming mm-hmm. up repeatedly. So it's all the problems you hear, but, you know, how do I establish myself as an independent researcher? Yeah. How do I get my first grant? How do yeah. I get, you know, job security? How do I achieve work-life balance? You know, all the same kinds of issues yeah. which... Um, you know, I think are almost universal in, yeah. in this field. Um, it, it, and across disciplines, yes, actually. Yes, true. Yep, mm. yep. Yep. So um, that gave me a good sense, I guess, of what people were struggling with yeah. and, and confirmed, you know, some of the things I, I um, suspected. And then, yeah, after that, I set up a whole range of initiatives to really try and address that, and we're still going with that, so that they included... Um, workshops, you know, mentoring matches, mm-hmm. other professional development, mm-hmm. but also virtual resources mm-hmm. like uh, like the blog. Mm-hmm. So can we just step through some of those because mm, I'm really sure. interested to hear what you've done and what's been what people have found useful and connected yeah, with. Yeah. So with the workshops, how do they happen? Yeah, so I guess I wanted to look at what were the most pressing needs first mm-hmm. and, and what came out were um, a couple of things. One was certainly... Um, Grants and funding and fellowships. I think people, right. you know, early career people yeah. really struggle with yeah. that. And so one of the first workshops I organised really was with just internal people within the university. Mm-hmm. I knew that we had the expertise mm-hmm. here to, to address that. And so we got some three speakers to come and, and present sort of different angles around. Right. More yeah. practical angles, like this is what you need to do or this is what you need to include or yes. this is the yeah. process we have here. A bit of both. The review. Yeah. Bit of both. So we had a, a, an academic researcher who was very mm. successful in getting grants and she mm. talked about strategy and the long lead times and the mm. planning. But we also had um, the manager of our research office who talked more about how to find, you know, research funding sources mm-hmm. and the process and mm. the... Um, you know, the sort of compliance bits, I guess. Yeah. Um, and and a third speaker, in fact, um, w- was the chair of one of our internal funding schemes um, review panel. And so he talked particularly about that scheme, which is often the first one that early career researchers right. will. It's great that you have to, an internal so. scheme yes, that yeah, people can apply yeah. for. Yep, 
that's a great, yeah, yeah. great first step. Because often that, that sort of uh, getting on the research ladder at the beginning is the trickiest bit, isn't it? And having some seed funding Absolutely. from your host institution yep, yep. can just make all the difference. That's right, difference to, you know, getting some pilot data, yes. difference to experience running a grant, but also yeah. confidence, I think, exactly. and, and practice in writing yeah. the application and then yep. executing yep. A, a On project. so many levels. Yep, yep. So and that would just seem like... A really good investment of funds where universities can yep. do it. Yep. Oh, absolutely. And mm. and often it is that you see the trajectory of research funding, and that's mm. very often the first step. Mm. Just a small amount of. And for me, that was the same for me. I think my very first grant I got was about six thousand dollars, yeah. which was very small. Then an internal um, grant to do co- collect some pilot data, mm. and that um, generated some some of my probably you know amongst my best cited publications mm. Um, mm. And, and led to future grant applications. Mm. So it's a really nice. Yeah. Um, first step for people, yeah. I think. Yeah. So that was our first workshop. But then we also, I guess, so the can other. Can I just ask yeah. a question around them as well? So you talk to people, and these were needs that people identified. But did people turn up to the workshops when they were organised? Yeah. yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. So of the. Oh, 50 odd um, researchers that we have, we've found most of the workshops have been fully subscribed. So mm. in some cases, we've tried to limit it to around 30 just to keep yeah. it. Um, and it's been the case that we've pretty much filled those places oh, each that's time. Great. So yeah, the buy-in's been yeah. very good. Yeah. And maybe do you think part of that? I'm just trying to think of other other institutions where you know the central HR whatever might you know uh, have a workshop schedule, but find yeah. it hard to get people yeah. to come often. Yeah. And is it? Do you think part of this success was that they had the sense that this was? stuff being offered in response to their express needs because you had spoken to them. I think that was a big part of it. I also think the culture here is is very much around we we really strongly encourage students and early career research, PhD students, early career researchers to get along to everything that's offered Um, and and we try to say to people, you, you know, you can get something out of every presentation and, yes. and it's important for yeah. fostering a vibrant research culture. So I think yeah. that's part of it. But but much more importantly, I think, was that this is what they'd asked for yeah. and it was directly addressing that, that yeah. need. Yeah. 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 Okay. So the workshops around some of those sort of very practical and career-oriented um, yeah. building yeah. That's you know, right. yeah. you know, steps yeah. around grants and that. Yeah. Yeah. And so some of the others have been... Um, around how to be a strategic researcher, mm-hmm. so that was a, a really nice one. Mm-hmm. So, and and that one, I think it's great to have internal expertise, but sometimes it's also good to bring in external experts because I think, um, you know, for a couple of reasons. Firstly, after a while, you, you're sort of hearing the same thing again and again from your from your internal team, and it can be good to bring in fresh mm-hmm. fresh ideas. Mm-hmm. But also, I think sometimes there's a level of um, perceived credibility, you know, yes, additional expertise yes. that comes. Always, <laughs> yep. for some strange reason. <laughs> so we tried to get a balance of those. Mm. So so we had um, an external consultant come in and run a workshop on being a strategic researcher, mm. Um, mm. which was about, you know, you're saying no to things strategically, yeah. um, time management, blocking out writing and thinking time, yeah. um, you know, a lot of those sort of practical, yeah. Um, yeah. practical things. Yeah. So. That was very good, yeah. and and the final one we had, or one one of the others we had late last year, was um, around leadership, which I think is very broad and very difficult to do in a a one day workshop. But um, really, it was just a kind of a 
um, an exposure, I guess, to um, some of the challenges, mm. you know, in leadership in, in academia mm. and um, some of the, I guess, tendencies we have that, that might um, impede us becoming the best leaders that we can and, and yeah. those kinds of things. Yeah. So, yeah, so they've been a few of the... So you when know, when you talk about leadership, is are you thinking, is this about leading your own research group or is it actually stepping up into more leadership roles within the faculty or department? A bit of both. Yeah. A bit of both, yeah. So we, we um, well, I try and emphasise to people, you know, leadership doesn't have to mean you're in a formal lead, leadership role. Nice, you know, leadership, that's nice. Yeah, it can happen at, at every every level and, yeah. and that can be your, your own team of maybe, you know, two students or yeah. a couple of research staff. Or, yeah. um, so, um, and look, I think every researcher is leading some, you know, they're leading their own research program. And yeah. so um, I don't know that it has to be, you know, people aspiring to mm. be the next head of school. Mm. But, yeah. You know, it's, it's everyone, I guess, can benefit from that kind so of... So what, what are some of those uh, qualities or characteristics that would be promoted as part of being a good leader in, in an academic context? Yeah, I think one of them is um, learning to take that step back from... Um, you being the, the driver of everything, as, as students are in their PhD program, to um, stepping back a little bit and putting others forward yes. and, and supporting them. Yeah. And I think that's a real challenge for people, yeah. particularly at that mid-career stage where yeah. we are so used to, you know, working 150% to, to, to do everything and drive everything. And it, it's really about um, being willing to hand over the reins a little bit, I yes. guess, to, to others and, yeah. and the role. It's not that we're working less hard, but it's we're working differently. To I would say we're working, to use the word strategically, before we're working more strategically and, and yeah. cleverly. And also that's enabling other people to yes. shine and grow that yeah. you also talked about. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We often talk about sort of bringing a coaching mindset Yes. So yeah. it's not being a coach, but bringing a coaching mindset, which is about yeah. not needing to be the, the, the fountain of all wisdom and knowledge and yeah. the driver of everything and making it happen. But yeah. how do you enable other people to draw on their own, access their own resources to problem solve? And That's to, exactly right. And, and yeah. we're not trained in that. You know, we don't no, get that not. training in our PhD. We're not trained in any of these no. really critical skills. No, that's yeah. right. So, in fact, that, that reminds me, one of the other workshops I organised last year addressed that exact issue and it was um, mentoring for mentors yeah. and so I had someone mm. come in and, and you know the idea was that lots of us as senior staff mentor others but we've I've never had any formal yeah. training in that yeah. and, and sometimes I think you know the um, junior people are coming to me with these issues and problems I think goodness I'm struggling with all the same things myself yeah. how can I possibly help <laughs> with this <laughs> and I think that you know the the um that workshop was great in kind of conveying that we don't have to be the fountain exactly. of knowledge and, and have all yeah. the answers, but sometimes yeah. it just helps to say, well, look, this is what I might do yeah. in that situation or have you thought about, you yeah. know, these these different options yeah. or, yeah, yeah. So um, so that was useful, yeah, I think, for, for mm -hmm. senior staff in, um, you know, um, yeah, getting, I guess, some sort of confidence at least or skills around. And yeah. taking the pressure off. Yes, Yes, that's right. Yeah, that you, you can facilitate a thinking process and a problem-solving process, not yep. have Having the burden the of, the, yes. of the... Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. we don't need. Yeah. So in the so the mentoring scheme, you, you said you also set up a mentoring scheme? Yes, that's right. So what we did was um, it, not a formal structured mm. scheme, um, mm -hmm. which we found that people didn't really feel they yeah. wanted to commit to. Yeah. So really it's... Um, 
we, we ask all of our early mid-career researchers if they um, have a mentor, and by mentor we really just mean um, generally a more senior person who yeah. they can have discussions with yeah. about career development. So sometimes it, their supervisor might provide some of that, but yeah. often um, those kind of discussions, that the risk of having your supervisor as your only mentor is that your discussions all tend to be very operational. Yes. And, Yep, delivery about the projects you're working and, on. Yeah. Yes, yeah, that's right. And yeah. also the, the supervisor probably has a, a vested interest in, yeah. you know, they're, they're involved in a lot yeah. of that work. So we, we've tried to match people up with someone a little bit more at arm's length mm -hmm. um, that probably knows a bit about the area but mm -hmm. maybe isn't as involved so and invested. So from within the faculty? Yes, yep. So from within our institute, although there have been a couple of cases where uh, people have been um, very keen to have a, a particular external mentor okay. in the field that they know and so yep. we've facilitated that right. as, as well in those yeah. cases. And we really, we, we set some general guidelines around what the mentorship relationship might be. Mm. So we suggest that the mentors and mentees might meet three or four times a year mm. over a coffee mm. can, can be good. Mm -hmm. um, we um, we suggest that it's the mentee that drives those meetings, that yep. sets up the meetings yep. and brings the agenda along. Um, and we provide a few resources just around, you know, well, how, how do you really get the most out of a mentor? What are the kinds of questions mm. you might ask your mentor? Mm. How mm. can they help? Um, and so we have found that that's worked really well. So all of our um, early micro researchers now have at least one senior mentor. Um, Are there people who have chosen not to? Because you said it was not, they were invited to. Yeah. Um, the, to be honest, the ones that have chosen not to have me set something up, it was because they felt they were well supported already. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it hasn't been the case that um, anyone's not not, not yeah. had any mentor, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah. And do you get people to sign any formal agreement or to agree commit to any particular period of time where there's sort of an end point or how no. do you operate? So we haven't done again, we've left mm. it all very yeah. loosely structured. Yeah. Um, the, our university do have a program of that nature and we found that that worked well for some people but um, the the structured nature of it and the um, agreeing to a contract and outcomes mm. and so forth was a deterrent mm. for a number of people. Mm. They just felt I, they, they didn't have the time to yeah. kind of commit to that. Right. So, so it added a burden rather yes. than seemed yeah. like a support. A helpful, yeah. 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 And look, having said yeah. that, you know, a lot of people have really benefited from that program yeah. too, but I think yeah. it just depends on your um, situation and yeah. your availability. So so we didn't put anything like that into place. And, and I guess we just flagged that if either the mentor or the mentee over time felt that for any reason that relationship wasn't working mm. well or, mm. you know, sometimes mentorship, kind of naturally just progresses it, yeah, and, it does. and, you yeah. know, it, it just comes to And as people end. grow and develop as well, they, they might need different sorts of supports or exactly. input or experience yeah. to access. That's right, yeah. Or mm. they, they might find, I sometimes say to my mentees mm. that I've had for a number of years, look, I don't know, that I think you've heard everything that I'm going to, you know, yeah. every wisdom I'm going to mm. give you and, and if you feel that you might, you know, benefit by a different perspective. Mm. There's no hard feelings or, you know, yep. I think it's very natural for, yep. for mentoring relationships to, you know, maybe have a um, set sort of period of time and then, mm. yeah, people people yeah. move on. So, yeah. yeah, so no, we didn't, we, we kept it all very yeah. informal. Yeah, so it's just interesting that we had some discussions yesterday at an early career workshop around similar things about whether people who are in more of your line management uh, relationship, supervisory relationship, 
could actually play a mentoring role or whether you needed someone external. And there were different views in the workshop, although the majority of people were also saying that they would prefer someone outside of that relationship. Yeah, and I yeah. think that's a good idea. Yeah, I think yeah. there are a lot of benefits yeah. for that. And the other thing is I think people can really benefit from having a number of mentors. Exactly. And, and so if your line manager yeah. does provide some mentorship of that yeah. nature, you know, that's a, a bonus, I yeah. guess. But, um, yep. yeah, but I do see the advantages in having that person mm. a little bit um, objective and yeah. a bit removed as yeah. well. Yeah. So you talked about setting up... Uh, a workshop series, a mentorship scheme, and then you talked about some the digital resources. Yeah, so that was the other side of it. So, and there were, I guess, three main aspects to that. So, one was, I was aware that lots of senior staff um, in our institute had given different presentations at some time or workshops or whatever. Mm. That, you know, there were a lot of resources already existing mm. that I felt were probably sitting in people's you know, shared drive, like you know, com- computer drives yeah. not being used. And yeah. so I wanted a kind of um, repository to store a lot of that things that we could refer people to. So I um, set up a just an internal um, drive, a, a repository and a, a website that was basically for, for that purpose. So we've stored a lot of resources in there that are relevant to, you know, early mid-career researcher mm-hmm. issues and, mm-hmm. um, and development. So that and are they the just sort one. of advice sheets or? And, and um, on lots of them are, uh, you know, PowerPoint presentations. Oh, yeah. um, some of them are yet resource sheets, um, templates for things like we've got career planning templates. Um, I think we also have, um, you know, a lot of grant and funding related templates. So we've got um, examples of successful grant applications from from within mm. the institute mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah a whole lot of things that people have you know sort of have have lying around but just yeah we wanted to yeah. collate and have them in yeah. in a dedicated yeah. uh, place yeah. and do you have a sense whether they're used and accessed yeah so i haven't that's a good question i haven't looked at metrics around that but yeah. certainly lots of people ask me questions about things and I refer them there and I know oh, okay, that our other staff yeah. are doing that too. Yeah. So um, my sense is that they are. And also yeah. whenever we run a workshop, so the workshops I talked about, we always try and point pop those them. in there as well. Yeah. Yep, store the, the, oh, the um, PowerPoints. Yes, the copies mm. of the PowerPoints there yeah. too. Yep. Yeah. It would seem like that, you know, you as the human index into that repository is, is probably a, a critical link to it. Yes, yeah. I think there at is, least in yeah. terms of some of the research that suggests that having these sort of knowledge management systems with lots of really great stuff in there, yeah. but people don't, don't go know to them. or yes. don't know how to yeah. search, and yeah. Uh, yeah, having someone point to them and say, "Ah, you might find that that template really useful yeah. for you now." Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's yeah. critical. Otherwise, yeah. yeah, there is a risk it just sort of yeah. sits there and people have an initial look and then forget yeah. about it. So yeah. 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 So how long has this been running for, these sets of about activities? About 18 months now. Okay. And we did evaluate. I, I did a very informal, um, being being the researcher, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> informal one-year evaluation. Mm-hmm. So so before I started, um, I just did a quick survey. There's no control group. It's mm-hmm. not, not a rigorous design, but it's mm-hmm. really just for our internal purposes. So I did a quick baseline survey um, mm-hmm. that asked people, both about um, you know, directly what they thought about the support available to them as early career researchers prior to any of this kicking off, but also about um, generic things like their job satisfaction, um, morale, perceived academic competence, um, uh, work-related distress and work-life balance and so forth. So we assessed that at baseline and then a year after we'd had these um, initiatives in place, I went back and assessed it again and, and we did find... Um, 
yeah, good results, I guess. So, so the satisfaction with the program was very high. So, the level of satisfaction right. with what was available had, yeah. had increased. Um, so had, I think, perceived competence, um, academic capacity, workplace um, morale, and we saw a decrease in workplace distress. Mm. So, yeah, some positive. Mm, that's really yeah, positive amazing. Findings. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's so. very encouraging. It is. It is, yeah. and certainly the subjective feedback I've had and other people have had yeah. has been that um, people, you know, th these things are very favourably received mm. and people are, are enjoying them. So, mm. yeah. And again, if we look back at the research, the research would suggest that when people are feeling well supported, happier, you know, that yeah. they will do better, more creative, more productive work. Yep, absolutely. Well. That's, yeah, I, I think workplace happiness and, and this is part, you know, the happy academic, I guess yeah. it's, uh, you know, I recognise being a psychology background that, that those things are, um, you know, you can't underestimate their impact on, oh, on some of the harder outcomes yeah. like, um, retention rates yes. of work and productivity yeah. and, um, our KPIs like, you know, publishing and securing mm. income and so mm. forth. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it is. It's really interesting that those that we often don't give enough weighting to those. Yes. You know, I hate the term soft skills or informal supports yes. because I think they're they're the the most critical yeah. underpinnings to doing good work. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And it would seem like you know what you're also doing here, as implicitly through a lot of these activities, is creating lots of opportunities for networking and relationship building. Because if you're sitting in a workshop all day together, yes, yeah, and you're getting to know other people and you're feeling connected yes, and those sorts yeah. of that sort of connectedness at oh, work. Oh, you're right, you're right. And actually, you've raised one of the the um, key issues that I forgot to mention, which is when we asked about the needs. That social mm. element was was critical. You know, people said, "Well, what I need is to be more connected to other early mid-career researchers and to feel that I, you know, we've got mm. a support network." Mm. And and so, yeah, we've we've tried through things like when we have a workshop, we'll we'll put an extra hour at the end for kind of being a social catch-up yeah. to, to get together. Yeah. Or the other thing we've um, set up are regular uh, shut up and write sessions. Right. And, and yeah. part of the idea of that, obviously, is is to progress some writing. But a big part of it is to do it in a social yeah. situation. Yeah. So, um, and, and again, people have said that they're they're fantastic and they've had a chance to talk to people that they wouldn't otherwise yes. probably spend yep. a lot of time with. So, yes, yeah, so that's right. I, I you know, completely agree that um, social connections are a critical yeah. element of that too. So, how often do you do the shut up and writes? This year, I think last year we had them about every uh, most months mm. we had them. This year, mm. I think we've got about six planned for the remainder of the year, yeah. um, and. We limit it to about ten or twelve people, I think. Oh, that okay. So, people, so you publish yep. dates yep. in advance, yep. and you have a sign up for yep. it. Exactly. Ah, yeah. okay. Yep. So, oh, yeah. that's interesting as well, because then that's getting people to make a commitment. Yes. And yep. to do that planning. Yes. Yes, attend. that's true too. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and rather to, than just saying, "Oh, anyone who wants to turn up to this room." Yeah, yeah, it could turn up. And I guess we haven't, um, we haven't trialled that, mm. that latter way. Partly it's been pragmatic. It's, you know, the, the room available only if it's yeah. the number of people or the number of computer yeah. points or whatever. Um, so we haven't tried that. But generally we've found we haven't had a lot of people wanting to come and not being able to come. You know, it's, it's, the numbers have been about right. Yeah. Um, and what we also find, unfortunately, is sometimes it, it comes closer and people do end up having other commitments and things to, yeah. you know. But um, but certainly for those that have um, gone along, yeah, the, the, um, 
benefits both to their, their mm. writing but also to the, mm. you know, the networking. Yeah, just being, connecting. Yeah, yeah. Do, do the early career researchers tend to all have individual offices or do you have a shared office model here? Or often shared, yes. Yeah. So often uh, they are in usually just with one other one other person. Um, yeah. Our PhD students are in the sort of yeah. bigger bigger shared yeah. offices, but yeah, yeah but, um, early career people often yeah. with one. And what do you think that the um, so you, you talk about institute and there's a faculty. So is it a, are there institutes as part of a faculty or something? So, yes, it's very complicated. <laughs> so within the university, we have a number of institutes and our institute is, is one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, it's located mm-hmm. completely within the Faculty of Health. Mm-hmm. Um, so the institute is um, the Institute for Physical Activity and Nutrition. Right. And it's the kind of research arm of our, our school. So it's where um, okay. the, the research is sort of badged right. under that, yeah, right. that institution. So it's sort of like a, net, a matrix structure where you've got the school yes. and, and the... Yep. So the, the school includes the teaching and, yeah. and the research. Yeah. The institute focuses on the research. Yeah. Yeah. So being part of the leadership team of this, yes. yeah. what do you think or see that the, the institute is doing in its policies or structures or processes to promote well-being and balance or, or whatever? Yeah, that's a really important question. So I guess um, certainly my role has a strong focus on, mm. on that, but I guess yeah. that is targeting early and mid-career researchers particularly. But we've been very fortunate in that um, we have a, a head of school who's very um, committed to um, these kinds of issues, well-being, and, and right. recognises the, um, you know, the, the stress that sort of is... Yeah, often endemic in these kinds of environments. And so we've got a number of um, initiatives in place to help address that. So mm-hmm. we've had um, a, a consultant come in and um, work with people one-on-one just around some of sort of work-life balance issues right. and so forth. We've had a, um, a mindfulness expert come mm-hmm. and run mindfulness workshops regularly mm-hmm. um, in, in the school with interested staff, and that's been really well received. And many, so many people have turned up to those. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. been yeah, quite popular. And, in yeah. fact, this year I think we're aiming to run it again and, and there's been even greater interest. So, yeah, we should see yeah. good numbers there. Yeah. Um, but we also have um, we have a, a team that really are focused on creating fun events throughout the year. And mm-hmm. so we've got, mm-hmm. um, you know, a, a, um, Easter barbecue coming up next week, I think, that all mm-hmm. the staff are invited to. Mm-hmm. Um, we often have, you know, celebrations for um, well, special events through the year, but also, you know, the football season or, yeah. the, you know, different yeah. things happening. So, yeah. yeah, so I think, you know, keeping a focus on yeah. fun is, yeah. is an important part of that as and well. And what about some of the things around, you talked about KPIs before, key yeah. performance indicators. What mm-hmm. are, yeah. Has there been any thinking around those and how they play into the work environment and stress induction and things? Yeah, I guess probably not formally, but Mm. informally um, we've always, I guess the senior um, staff within the school have tried to convey a culture that, you know, our focus is on doing excellent work, you know, delivering excellent teaching and doing excellent research. Yes, there are KPIs and they need to be agreed on in mm-hmm. performance evaluations and discussions. Okay, so these are individual KPIs that get agreed on rather than a oh, blanket one. We have both, no. yeah, we do have both, yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, but I guess the kind of message has been, yes, we have targets and we need mm. to aim for those, um, but you know, they shouldn't be the end driver. So I guess we, we don't, for example, have a, um, a very strong focus on 
citate, you know, generated yeah. so many citations. Yeah. You know, that, that's actually, I find that an interesting perspective because yeah. citations are out of our control, really. You know, yes. it's, it's not something you can, you yes. know, you can control that you're going to submit X papers in a year, yes. but you cannot control how many citations no, those And it's are such a complex so, um, yes, issue, yeah, isn't it? It's it is, got cultural yeah. overlays and, and among That's many others. Many, many problems with that. Mm. So, look, I, I think while KPIs are there and, and, and they're important and mm. we, we need aspirational goals for mm. these things, um, we also try to balance that with um, a, a view to, you know, aiming for excellence mm. in, in what we do and that's not always easily captured, as we know, in some of these metrics yeah. and, and KPIs. Yeah. So, yeah, so I don't know if that... So that's good. So And then if, so the people who are doing the reviews know that they have that flexibility to interpret and recognise different ways that excellence can play out, if you yes, like. Yes, yes, I think so. And and there is a lot of flexibility in our kind of um, performance reviews that, you know, that takes mm. into account that not all staff will be doing all things at all times and, and you know, there's um, flexibility in sort of workload allocations that, you know, um, if you are a very, very highly active researcher and, and that's where you're excelling and you are meeting many of these KPIs, mm. then there may be some flexibility around, you know, obviously you can't also be um, delivering enormous, you know, um, outcomes on the teaching, teaching. front. Or, I was going yeah, to ask yeah. you about that. Yes. That was going to be my next question, which is, you know, that's that's often part of the whole stress thing that, you know, the, that we do have expectations to be excellent researchers and teachers and, you know, sort mm-hmm. of do our service internally mm-hmm. and professionally and have impact and, yeah. and, 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 and. And have a life. And have and a, well, and that often doesn't, <laughs> doesn't fit in, does it? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's mm. a huge, mm. a huge stress for people. And mm. um, I, I think, you know, that, balance and I, I kind of I hate the word balance in I a way know, I because do I too. Do. it's because it's not balance no it's, no it's, it's and, and, ha- and I think it becomes another stress that people you know yeah. do I have balance and, yeah. and you know if I have them you know how do I no. keep it and how do you know um, I think um, there are going to be times always I guess that that we feel that one particular part of our role is, is overwhelming or it's taking mm. over everything yeah. and, and I think it's just a matter of as long as you can see that's a short-term yeah. thing. So, so in grant season, for example, yeah. I think, you know, writing yeah. grants, everything else just falls And Australia has a, has a crazy grant season we where do. January, February, everyone, yes. every academic in Australia is head down. Yes, and exactly. And it coincides writing. with our summer school holidays. So it's and a terrible Christmas. time. Yeah, and yes, yeah. It so, is. But I think if you recognise, yes, there are going to be some times mm. that something dominates and, mm. and other things fall out, but as long mm. as you can see that's only, you know, it's yeah. it's not forever and yeah. you've got some strategies in place to yeah. cope with that. Um, so it's not balance, but it's about perspective and insight and reflection yes, and yeah. um, choice and, you know, sort of like I'm choosing that Very this is much. going to be a bit of a mad season yeah. now, but I... Yeah. No, the end is there, and yeah. I'm going to not continue doing that. Exactly, so that sort of yeah. sense of control. Yeah, very yeah. much, Jerry. And and I think that choice is is critical. You know, we forget sometimes that we're in a career that there is so much choice, yeah. so much flexibility. You yeah. know, imagine if you work in 
I don't know, hospitality industry or, or yeah. retail. So, you, yeah. know, you, you don't have anywhere near the, the choice and flexibility that we do. And so mm. seeing busyness as, you know, to, to a large degree within our choice and there are things that we can mm. do about yeah. it, I think really helps yeah. with that too, get, get some of that sort of um, mm. sense of control back. And I think that's something that we often need to be reminded of for ourselves and, you know, just in, in I find in talking with people as well is just reminding us all that, we do have more choice than we think we have yes, in many things. Yes. Sometimes it can be actually about the activity, yeah. but it can also just be in how we think about what we're yes, doing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and we're often our own worst enemies so, yeah. in this field. Yeah. You know, people have to be a little bit obsessive, I guess, and have yeah. to be perfectionistic to, to persist with what you know the, the things that we mm. do. But I think stepping back and yeah, re- reminding ourselves mm. that we do have more choice than, than we probably realise and rather than doing everything automatically and, and saying yes to everything mm. automatically. Mm. Um, but I, I guess it's it's ironic you need some time to be able to yeah. <laughs> have that thinking yeah. and create more time. Yeah. But I really I try and encourage yeah. our um, early career people to build in some kind of what we call white space, you know, build in yeah. some, um, some of that thinking and planning time um, so that nice. they can step back a little yeah. bit and get that It is that, you know, prioritising opportunities to step back and, and regain yes. perspective. Yeah. yeah, exactly, because you can't see it when you're on that yeah. treadmill yeah. going. Get out of yeah. reactive mode. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. that's right. Yeah. 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 So what do you do for yourself? How would you – how do you go you – know, yeah, I know yeah. – believe in all this stuff but yeah, it's always a continuous <laughs> sort of struggle what what sort of strategies do you have in place for managing your own work yeah well I'm I'm still practicing I'm still, <laughs> still learning um probably for me it's two main things mm. well three main things yeah. probably um so so downtime with family I guess is, is yeah. critical so yeah. I've got a 10 year old daughter who I like to you know spend spend time with yeah. and switch off completely and, yeah. and have time with her uh, exercise I think and so just before we get to exercise yeah. so how do you do you have any particular techniques for helping you switch off because that's that's one of the things that we have great autonomy yeah. and the nature of our work as well is it can always be buzzing around in your head yes. even when you're not technically at work so do you have any techniques for helping do that switch off and I mean that's very challenging isn't it because the phone you know you have your email and phone the phone's Mm. at home and so there is that blurring between Mm. yep um so we will try and get away a bit I guess so Mm. so we'll get away even if it's for a day down at the beach or Mm. a day you know just to um that whole shift of yeah 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 mm. it can be um symbolic in in a sense that you know get out of your normal environment yeah. and um and, and i guess nature you know it sounds trite but just spending time in nature no it's not it's not trite and gain there's yeah, you know, a yeah. lot of research evidence, evidence yeah. about it yeah. yeah 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 so just you know going to the park or the mm. beach or the river yeah. where, you know it's um yeah. amazing how you know um restorative that can be yeah. i suppose so yeah so that's probably the big mm. the big um yeah, the, the first big thing I do to sort of help switch mm. off and, and help balance yeah. that. Um, so and then, exercise. Yeah. So, yes, exercise is, is the other one. I'm yeah. glad to hear yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the exercise. Oh, I think, yeah. you know, I'm a mad advocate that, you mm. know, exercise can cure almost anything mm. and help with almost anything. Yep. And for me, it's a, a lifeline. You know, it's my mental health strategy. Yeah. It's yep. um, for physical health. It's a t- time out. Um, yeah. So I try and run three times a week I, I just find yeah. running for me is or walking's great too it's you yeah. know don't need any equipment you don't yeah. need to go anywhere it doesn't cost anything um you can do it nearly anywhere yeah. and 
I just feel, you know, a million times better after mm. I've, I've had a run. So mm. at the beginning of a run, you know, you might have all these work things buzzing mm. around your head, but mm. after six or eight Ks, you know, yeah. you find your, yeah, your mind sort of really, I find it's, it's yeah. much clearer and, yeah. yeah, I feel feel a lot better. And, again, the evidence for that is, yes, you know, absolutely. Is, yeah, enormous. Yeah. Um, and yeah. have you been doing that forever? Because, one, yeah, like the evidence is is really clear and I think we would all know that but how many of us are really good at making it a consistent habit yeah I mean the ironic thing is when you get busy it's often the first thing to go whereas it actually could be the you know the best thing to help you yes yeah think think more clearly so look I have I guess um I've tried to be consistent in that for a very long time so since since I was sort of high school university days I guess but um it does wane and Mm. and like we were talking Mm. about before I think just recognizing there are some weeks that maybe I'm not going to get those three runs in and and that's okay as long as it doesn't keep keep going on and on so yeah so do you actually you know because you talked about blocking encouraging yes. the ECRs to to block things in their diaries time yeah, to stuff do you yeah. actually block this in your diaries yeah so I don't know yeah it's do as I say isn't it I don't write it in there yeah. but I, I have regular it's times that a, I go it's a solid yeah. commitment to yes. yourself yeah that's right yeah, yeah. so yeah have the mm-hmm. sort of regular time set up yeah. so I think you know, we know from behavioural research that yeah. making something um, a, a regular habit or whatever yeah. involves then less um, conscious yes. work on, on our own behalf yeah. to have to try and do it. So yeah. if I know these are the three days that yeah. I go and roughly this time, yeah. um, it's more likely to, to happen yeah. for me. Yeah. So do you have other non-negotiables for you in your diary in your week? Um, not really. I think... Um, being a parent and, and mm. a single parent, in fact, mm. and and um, the, in the job I have, I, I think for me it's more stressful to try to block think non-negotiable yeah. things and, yeah. and I guess being a bit more flexible works yeah. for me. Um, yeah. I suppose there is one and that's that um, Friday night is, is not work night. So that's one night that I absolutely yeah. will switch everything off yeah. and, um, and and not sort of work on anything and... And that came up um, a few years back when I was sort of feeling quite close to, you know, on the brink of burnout and, and I was meeting with a, a wonderful coach who said, well, what's one thing you can do? To, is there one night or one time mm. that you can just switch mm. off? And, mm. and so that's what I, I decided on Friday night. That's mm. um, that's a, a sort of blockout time and that's worked well yeah. for me too. Yeah. So that's it. That's nice. Um, I, I like the, the emphasis on just what's one thing. Like you don't have yeah. to make wholesale changes because yes. yeah, that, that can yeah. just – Add another, another layer stress. of stress. <laughs> uh, just thinking about it, but yeah, you know, if there's one thing you could do, yeah, what yeah, could you do? That's and exactly Can you right. commit yep. to it? How yep. important is it to you to commit to it? And yeah, exactly. You know. Yep, small changes, mm. I think, but they they yeah. do add up. And yeah. yeah, for me, that's been a really nice one. And, and you've I kept look it forward on. to. I have, yeah, yeah, for a few years now. Yeah, and I still look forward to that. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I guess that the other, the third of those three things that I swear by is um, is meditation. Yeah. And um, for me, that's just the, again, the time to you know um, step back, reflect, mm. get off the mm. <laughs> run for a while, put down all those things that I'm yeah. carrying every yeah. other hour of the day, and yeah, yeah have a, a bit of downtime. Yeah. And I, I also swear by meditation. Yes, I all. think I read that. So do you? Is is this a daily practice for you? Or? Oh, now this one I'm not as good at. Yeah. Um, I must yeah. admit. So the the run a pretty good solid habit by now yeah. the meditation um my aim is to do it every day even mm. for 10 minutes yeah. it's just I just yeah. think if I can just find 10 minutes to do I, I if I'm being honest it doesn't happen every day but yeah. I, it's that's that's what life, I aim for yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. yeah yeah and what I think for academics you know 
it's about mental training. Yes. You know, in, in its essence. Yes. And all yeah. of the studies coming out from, you know, the, the neuroscience studies and yeah. showing the brain changes and that, it's about training attention and focus, yeah. which are key mental skills we need to do the research. Exactly, exactly. Mm. And skills, I think, that we're really at risk mm. of losing yeah. because of the... You know, environment in which we, you know, with social yeah. media and emails yeah. and all the interruptions. Yeah. Um, I think meditation to me is a kind of a antidote to buffer yeah. against a, yeah. a lot of that. Yeah, yeah sort of short so. attention spans yeah. and yeah. yeah, yeah. So there are lots of things we can be doing individually, isn't there? Yes. Just to yeah. improve our own mental, physical health and well-being. Yeah, absolutely. To, to, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, you know, and the the challenge, I suppose, is that lots of us know this, but yes. it's how do we yeah. put them into place. Yeah. And so as an expert in, in behaviour change, yeah. and, and especially around these areas, yeah. what, what would be some of the tips or techniques that you would suggest? Um, so one would be what we spoke about already, to, to write it down, mm. make, book it into your calendar, make it an appointment and stick to it as you would any other meeting or appointment. Yep. So that's really honouring yourself, isn't it? Yes. Giving yourself the priority that you, know, you would that you to need. other appointments. Yeah, Absolutely. Would, yep. Yep, yeah, yep, that's right. Um, the other, I guess, is, is about trying to make some of these things automatic. So setting up your environment so that it takes less conscious decision-making mm -hmm. to do these things. So if it's for exercise, for example, have your, your running shoes or your exercise gear ready right there, have your alarm set at the, the right time, you know, make it that it's almost a, a, mm. an automatic mm. <laughs> process so that you don't need to, you know, um, think too much about yeah. it or make the decision. So yeah. um, some of those things you can do to, you know, same with if you if it's meditation, you know, have your meditation cushion and, and your music or your app or whatever it is that you yeah. need for that right there and, and make it a habit that the minute you get in the door, that's where you walk yeah. to and, have you know, have it in clear view. So little yeah. things that are, are cue us towards yes. some of these behaviours, yeah. I think, help help as well. And the other one is um, social support. So, you know, trying to get some um, key supporters for, for you to so, mm. so people that maybe hold you accountable to these mm. things or, or um, you know, you ask them to, can you please, you know, remind me to do my exercise if I haven't done it or, mm. you know, or, or do it with me mm. or, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. again, that's, that's sort of, yeah, right. really critical, I think. Yeah. So you also do this, the blog, and, and I, I guess a lot of what we've talked about is reflected in some of the content of the blog. What yeah, made you yeah. decide, what led to the blog? To doing that, yeah. yeah. And so the, the blog is called The Happy Academic. That's right. And I'll put a link to it um, on the webpage yeah, as well. thanks, Jerry. Yeah. So I started the blog at the time that I took on the role as the head of mm. early mid-career research mm -hmm. and development. And I started it for a couple of reasons. One is, like I said, I, I was hearing the same kinds of challenges being voiced again and again yeah, um, yeah. by many people, and not just people in my own yeah. institution, but also people I was running into at conferences or when I was giving workshops, you know, people internationally. And and I really thought, well, I can't reach all of these people one-on-one. -on -one. You know, I can't um, – I get lots of requests for mentoring and I, I try to take a lot of those on, mm. but I'm really – you know, nobody can mm. sort of do, do it all. Um, so I felt that, you know, perhaps providing mentorship in a kind of virtual sense, mm. like a blog, would be a good way to, you know, potentially help lots of people that I may not – 
yeah. necessarily see face to face otherwise. So that was a big, a big part of it, I guess. Um, and so I had never thought about it as virtual mentorship. That's really lovely. Yeah, 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 yeah. And certainly the feedback I've had from some people, you know, in different countries has, has been, look, we don't have anything like this in in our um, university or um, in our area. So, um, so hopefully it is achieving that, that yeah. aim. Yeah. And the feedback that I've seen just sort of you know, more following on Twitter is always yeah. really, it's really well received and seems to be very impactful. Yeah, it's been, it's been great actually. It's been, um, you know, it's certainly for me was one of the most mm. satisfying things I did mm. last year and the, and the discussions that have come afterwards mm. have been fabulous. Mm. So, um, so I've really enjoyed, um, enjoyed that side. Mm. And I guess, I, like I said to you, I, you know, always wanted a, a career where I felt I was helping people and, um, to me, I could see the, the need for this and, yeah. and the potential benefit. Um, and I love writing and, and to be able to kind of indulge that, <laughs> that passion as well. Um, you know, this just ticked a lot of boxes for, for me. So how long would it take you to write a post? Probably less time now than at the beginning. I think mm. the first one I spent, you know, days and days and days on oh, trying to perfect it. Days and days right. you know, the perfectionist coming exactly, that you talked Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And over time I've realised, you know, that that's not um, it's not strategic, but it's yep. also not necessary. I think yeah. I was just, you know, yes, it was a perfectionist. Yeah. So so now um, look probably a couple of hours to, mm. to, to whip one up and often um, I'll have ideas and, yeah. and think, oh, that could make a good post and so I'll jot, jot notes oh, down. Right. So yeah. often when I come to it, there's a, you know, a bit yeah. of substrate there A little there bit of a storyline or yeah. some ideas. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But yeah. um, I think as long as I'm working with early micro researchers, uh, there's always something to write about, you know, mm. and, and I get, you know, mm. the questions that people ask. Mm. Um you know, I think are a very rich source of sort yeah. of yeah potential yeah. future material and, yeah. and ideas. So yeah, yeah. but um, yeah, it's much quicker now than what it was to begin with. Yeah. yeah. Do you do you have any schedule for when you put them out? Or I try to post once a month. Yeah. Um, I felt that to do it much more regularly than that was probably yeah. you know a bit a bit much. Yeah. Um, so once a month, and um, look, it does vary a little bit. Yeah. I haven't been too strict about yeah. when when it's been. Um, so there's one due due at the moment that's not not quite finished yet. Yeah. But yeah, so around around the middle of the month mostly now. Because I, I know that I did set up for myself that I wanted to put out a podcast every two weeks, uh-huh. and I I just can't keep up with that because is that it's, right? it is yeah. your spare time and you yes. know, trying to yeah. fit it in and yeah. I've had to stop beating myself up about that. Yeah, that's you know, and fine. Just have, you, yeah. you know, do what you can do and yeah. when you can do it. And, yep, you know, exactly. Can... Yep. And have you moved to monthly or will you do that? No, I'm, I'm, I'm just doing it now more opportunistically yep, when sure. I can and yep. just saying, yep. you know, and Hopefully the stories will connect with people in whatever ways and whatever time yeah. they they appear yeah, you know, or certainly. whenever people access them and yeah. it doesn't matter that it's not every regular routine. No. And, in fact, yeah. I think most people don't even notice, really. Like no, they wouldn't, yes. they wouldn't probably notice. People aren't waking up going, oh, it's Tuesday, where's my podcast? Where's, <laughs> where's my, that podcast? Or where's my blog post? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. So, yeah. what, so you had this really wonderful post um at the end of the year for the beginning of the new year around sort of kindness yes yeah yeah so yeah look that one um I guess what it it was sparked partly by um a a PhD student of mine who finished a PhD and and wrote me a lovely card and she said thanks for all of your support and and in particular thank you for your kindness a a quality which I feel is often missing in in academia Mm. and I guess that really resonated because it, it would also um 
you know, was consistent with stories that I've heard over the years of people um, in all different places, you know, sort of saying that it's it's academia can be such a cutthroat and yes. ruthless environment yeah. and you hear some terrible stories of people um, really, I guess, being taken advantage of yeah. at, at early career stages yeah. or um, not being looked after, yeah. I suppose. And, and even if they're not in that situation of, you know, even if they're in a better situation where they do have some support or not being beaten yeah. down, yeah. there's still just the whole culture of critique that's exactly. just yeah. the norm it's, of it's how we wearing, operate. isn't it? Mm. Yes, yeah, yeah. I think mm. rejection is just, you know, we mm. face it daily, mm. I think, in this, you know, papers, manuscripts mm. critiqued and mm. um, difficult questions at conferences yeah. and grants knocked back and, you know, awards and promotions. You know, it's, mm. it's um, you, you know, you hear all the time how thick-skinned you need to be mm. to survive in, mm. in this um, field. So, yeah, and so I guess, you know, I wanted to um, try and sort of highlight that that doesn't have to be the norm and, and there may be, again, some small things that all of us can do mm. that might just be, you know... Um, a small spot of joy in someone else's day yeah. or um, yeah. and it doesn't have to be a major thing it doesn't have to be a major thing yeah just sometimes a well-timed question about mm. you know how is your research going mm. or you know can yeah. i get you a cup of coffee or yeah. um you know can can make the difference to mm. people i think so mm. yeah so these are i'm a big advocate that you know we can all find opportunities to to be kind and it's never mm. a wasted act and mm. yeah I guess that's what I was trying to yeah. get across in that post and and I came across some great resources like a, a whole um, Tumblr site about people posting examples of academic kindness so things that someone had done for them that that um, mm. you know were, were kind or made a mm. difference so um, so that was a nice yeah a nice post to write makes me think that um, you know when everyone is so busy that if we do experience that act of kindness that it's worthwhile you know, like recognizing it and, yeah, and letting the person know it's appreciated it. yeah, as well. Yeah, you know, just absolutely. to reinforce. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. And and we yeah. don't do that often enough. No, I don't think. No. Yeah, it's all the the negatives no. that we hear. Yeah, we we were talking yesterday too about you know we don't do that sort of thing often enough, and we don't celebrate enough either yes, what agree. we do, yep. what we achieve. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. So that's that's another. Um, part of our virtual resources mm. that I've started up is about once every month or two I send an email to our um, all of our internal our staff here mm. um, in, in our institute basically highlighting some of the successes that mm. our early mid-career researchers mm. have had and, mm. and that's really the aim yeah. behind that it's that we don't often enough celebrate and yeah. profile these yeah. and yeah they, they were you know they're hard won and, yeah. and they're worth yeah. sharing so yeah, and I think sometimes even as well um, celebrating what we could learn from something that was difficult. You know, like just the smaller yes, things that aren't yeah. the, the labelled successes. Yeah, but, that's a great idea. You know, just yeah. the, you know, I had a really tough time this week dealing with this situation and, yeah. you know, look this what I've learned going through it. Yeah, that's a great idea too, yeah. 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 And I mean, one of my uh, PhD students in our group, Katish Beal, we were trying to do that at the beginning of group meetings to sort of say, you know, what have people got to report or to celebrate? And I don't think I'd ever meant it to be just in terms of the big, yay, you outcomes. know, academic yeah. success outcomes. I, I thought I meant it to be more generally, but it was perceived as being more uh, the, you know, academic successes. And she really drew attention to the fact, you know, like, you know, celebrating all of the the other sort of learnings and yeah, experiences. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Just, mm. But that's the way that we interpret yeah. it. It says a lot about yeah, the, it says culture, the culture, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah. 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 No, I like yeah. that that idea. Yeah. And, and I think the other thing 
it can be good to, to share a bit more uh, is, I guess, the, the other side, that you know, the, the rejections and the failures that mm. we have had, but, mm. but more so the next, you know, how we've dealt with those. How we've dealt or, with it, yeah. yeah, yeah. And that can be a really hard yeah. thing for people to share. Um, I think one of my other posts on rejection um showed a couple of examples where brave, brave people have posted up their CV of academic mm. failures and, mm. and shared, you yes. know, all the grants they didn't get and all the, you know. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, it's, you need to be careful there because you don't want to always be focusing on how hard mm. it is and, and what mm. doesn't work. But I think recognising that all of us ha- have these, you know, rejections yeah. too and, yeah. and we're not alone in it yeah. and, you know, some of the learnings about how we've dealt with those yeah. can be really useful to share as well. Yeah. So which of the posts, you know, the, the last one that was out was uh, around saying no. Yeah. Um, what would be some of the key messages that you would sort of say have seemed to have resonated from that post? Yeah, look, I think um, that post got a lot of um, a lot of responses too mm. and, and people sort of suggesting ways that they, mm. they had of saying no. Mm. I think um, what people seem to like about that and certainly the best advice I've ever had is, is thinking about saying no is actually saying yes 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 to other yes. other things and for me that's often the only way I can I can do it is yeah. to what? remember that yep saying no to, to one thing it means you're being strategic about um, saying yes to to the other things that are already on your plate or, yeah. or that are um, you know more important to you at, at the time yeah. and and doing those things yeah. um, with with greater depth or, or greater quality yeah. so um, that that message, I think people seem to um, yeah. yeah sort of I, 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 I try and yeah, I think that's really important that framing. What are you saying yes to? Yeah, and in order yeah. to say yes to that, it necessarily entails some no's to other yeah. things because you can't do it all. You can't do it all, and mm. and that also doesn't mean you're not a nice person or no. a good person. I yeah. think a lot of people struggle with that. You know, they they want to be liked and they don't want to let people down mm. and. It's uh, saying no or doesn't worry do about that. the impact it's on their early career researchers yep. worried about the impact yep. on their career yep. path or that's right professional Maybe relationships is... with people who are in some power yes. positions yep. with them yeah and that can be really really mm. tricky yep, that's yeah that's right and and that's why some of these lessons I know you do a workshop around mm. saying no and what to say mm. no to and, yeah. and how to say no to, to different people I mean that's yeah. these are really important skills yeah. to have yeah yeah. yeah. So you said before about, you know, you get lots of requests for mentorship and you can't do them all. Yeah. How do you, what what criteria do you bring or how do you decide which ones to say yes to or not? Um, good question. So I guess recently I, I probably haven't said yes to any additional requests simply yeah. because um, I, I do mentor a number of people now and, um, you know, using these lessons that we just talked about, I, I have to, you know, think about the, the, the well-being and my ability to help these people yeah. that I already have, have made a commitment to. Yes. Um, so, so currently, um, when I've been asked about additional mentorship, I've had to say, look, currently I, I am a little bit stretched, um, but I'm trying to provide some virtual mentorship through yeah, through the blog, so referring people yeah. to that. And, and also, I always try to... Um, uh, another piece of advice I had from a, a great coach once was to consider yourself a free referral service. Mm. So, so all requests that mm. come to you, you're the free referral to, you know, I can't do that currently, mm. but I can refer you to yeah. somebody else who may yeah. be able to help. So I do try to find another link or another um, yeah. another mentor if, um, if, if people are seeking that. And sometimes we need to stop and think about, you know, if we think it's all about us that they're asking <laughs> us to do it, but they're not. They just want to problem yeah, solved. Some help. Yes, yeah, that's and right. And someone else could do that. Someone else can do it. Exactly. Yeah. As, yeah. as well or perhaps even, you know, better in yeah. many cases than yeah. I could. Yeah. yeah. 
So I'm just aware of the time marching yes, on. Yeah. I don't know where that's gone. Yeah, that's um, so thank you so much for just sharing all of this. I, you know, I think that it just seems like you're doing amazing stuff in the Institute and um, your early career researchers are very lucky, oh, I think. Thank you. Thanks, yeah. Jerry, And thank you very much for the opportunity yeah. to, to talk and also for the great things you're doing with your podcast. That's mm. fantastic. Great. Find the summary notes and related links for this podcast on www.changingacademiclife.com. You can also subscribe to Changing Academic Life on iTunes and now also on Stitcher. And you can follow Change Acad Life on Twitter. And if something connected with you, please consider sharing this podcast with your colleagues so that we can widen the conversation about how we can do academia differently. Thank you.